We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig as always. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, I, I wanted to say it was great to be back, Kyle. And, you know, we, we've had a lot. We've had a string of success here. We had last week to review how the offseason acquisitions changed this season. That was really fun to do. And now we have a great top of the NFC matchup to preview. But I have a bone to pick with Thursday's crew. And, and you know, a little bit you, too. I stand up for what is good and right and decent about America just pure, unadulterated gluttony. And yeah, I don't mind a little bit of extra filling in my Oreos, but then I get attacked on Twitter by Sarah and Stephen Dusty, and then you go ahead and stick up for them. So defend yourself, Kyle. I didn't know we were talking about this tonight, but I did say on Twitter that I thought sometimes we rush into our football content just a little bit too fast, and that I appreciate that about the Thursday group, that it's a well-rounded show. They tell me about my football, they tell me about my Oreos, and all things that I need to know in life. So, you know, I support your position. I understand that you like a little bit of extra, uh, you know, filling in your Oreo maybe from time to time. I personally think that there's a proper 
ratio of cookie to filling. So I guess we just will have to agree to disagree on this Friday show. I don't know. I just don't want two dried bits of cookie with like the tiniest bit of cream you've ever seen in between. <laughs> like regular Oreos are garbage. Regular are garbage. I mean, yeah, you, you, no, no, res- I just said it. no respect for the original. No, I don't. Unless it's crumbled up in ice cream. That's a, you know. That's okay. A nice All right. That's fair. No, let's talk. Let's talk just really quickly here about we're not moving on yet. We have to stay here. I just want you to know, I think there's a pretty big caloric. Is that a word? Caloric. Yeah. Caloric. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a word. Variance or whatever between the original Oreo and the Oreo that we are now speaking of, which is very large. Let's talk about this. We've got 53 calories in a regular Oreo. Do you know how many calories are in these Oreos you speak of? The most stuff is 110. I know because I looked it up. I was doing some research. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you know you have too much time on your hands. For Oreo. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's a significantly – like there, there's a significant difference in the amount of regular Oreos in a package versus the most stuff. And the most stuff, there's like 15 total in the whole package or okay. something to that effect, okay. Okay. whereas there's a lot more. So half the calorie count um, may actually be made up for by the amount of space in the package to fit the said this, regular Oreos. This good. This is a good point. You make a good point. <laughs> that at least you're not eating the same number of Oreos with double the calories. Okay, this is a good, good call. Really important stuff we're covering here today. Okay, I'm um, <laughs> But but hey, wait, I'm not done with my rant yet. They <laughs> they took they took this whole thing a step farther, and then on yesterday's podcast, Sarah called me out, and then get this, Steve didn't even know who I was. She referenced Andrew staying out of her mentions, which by the way, happy to, and. <laughs> He corrected her and was like, oh, you're calling Andy Herman Andrew now? Like, he didn't even know who I was? Get oh, out of here. Oh, my gosh. The disrespect. I Thank personally you. I personally didn't listen to the episode today because Dusty wasn't on it. So, you know. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Which is the appropriate response. And I know I know that they're not listening to our episodes, clearly. Absolutely, clearly. So they'll never even know that this exists. Um, but I wanted to lay out a little challenge here. They have a they have their prediction contest every week, which by the way is just them all picking Green Bay to win every single week. Okay. <laughs> like I get it. And the quote unquote loser has to eat a whole sleeve of most stuff Oreos, which is like I said, five cookies. Your your punishment for a whole season long contest is to eat five cookies. Come on. <laughs> this is child's play. So whatever they do, I'm saying the next day I'm gonna double it. And so, I'm not gonna whine about it like their crew. You're you're telling me you're gonna double stuff the most stuff and call that <laughs> call that a day? Is that what you're gonna do? It's gonna be a lot of calories, man. I appreciate your willingness to I'll to do take, a double workout today. Take one for the team. That's good. Awesome. Hey, so uh you wanna talk about some football? <laughs> please. Please, right. anything but that. So today we are back for an 
an episode of key matchups and X factors. We want to spend some time identifying some matchups that we think are going to play a huge role in this actual football game on Sunday, as well as predict who we think has a real shot to be an X factor this week as well. But let's start with those key matchups, Andrew. Let's start on offense. What's a matchup that has your attention this week on the offensive side of things? Yeah, the first thing that stuck out to me uh, was going to be Devontae Adams and the other Green Bay wide receivers versus Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon. When we were doing our season preview, I said I thought San Francisco's secondary would really hold back the considerable talent that they possess up front, but I underestimated just how effective the front four of the 49ers was going to be during the early part of this season. And Witherspoon was somebody I really liked in the draft a few years ago, but Honestly, I think he's sort of a poor man's Kevin King, and Richard Sherman still has the ability to cover in short areas. He's going to give your pass rush time to get home because he's going to get his hands on those receivers, but he's still lost a significant step, um, and he was never you know, the most fleet of foot corner to begin with. I thought the Seahawks receivers and offense were really able to take advantage of San Francisco's weaknesses in the secondary. And then you saw that again with Arizona last week um, by getting open early and then slowing down that pass rush. Devontae Adams is easily, and I mean, I'm talking a wide margin here, the best wide receiver the 49ers have faced this season. So that is going to be really interesting to see. And I think Alan Lazard has shown a unique ability to get open quickly. You know, and also the ability to make contested catches when he can't get open quick. So if the Packers receivers aren't able to get that quick separation on Sunday night, Aaron Rodgers is going to find himself on the ground in a lot of key passing situations. So this is going to be something that I'm going to be really keyed in on. Yeah, for sure. And a lot has been made of the 49er schedule and how not challenging, I guess not challenging is the term I'm using, uh, <laughs> that it, it has been thus far this season. But you can say what you want. They are still a 9-1 football team, and that's not easy to do even when you're not playing the toughest competition. Uh, but I was looking at this earlier, and like you said, the Niners really haven't faced a lot of top-tier receivers, even within this maybe um easier schedule that they faced. They faced Larry Fitzgerald a couple times and Juju in the Pittsburgh game, but not really any one of Devontae's skill set, like you said. And in week two, they played the lowly Bengals and they gave up 122 yards on 10 receptions to Tyler Boyd. And so if Tyler Boyd can pile up those kinds of numbers, I'm hopeful that the Packers can feed Devontae, get him open quickly, let Adams help Rodgers by allowing him to get the ball out early, like you said, because if they don't like Andrew said Rodgers could be in for a long game and that's what I'm watching in this game for the Packers offense I'm going to be watching to see how David Bakhtiari holds up versus the pass rush in this one we all know that Nick Bosa is a force and he's having a great rookie season for the 49ers and D Ford has been awesome as well but Ford is looking like he's going to miss some time. It was being reported that the Niners expected to be without Ford for a week or two. Uh, so either way, it sounds like no Ford for Sunday's game. But even without him, the San Francisco pass rush is going to be a lot to deal with. Joey Bosa found some success against David Bakhtiari just a couple weeks ago. And so I'm eager to see how brother Nick does in this one. 
Bakhtiari has been highly criticized this season. It's been documented uh, that, you know, he's been getting a lot of that criticism as having kind of a down year. And it is true to a certain extent. He's not been the David Bakhtiari we've seen the last couple of seasons. And that's shown up in penalties and in his performance as a run blocker. He really has struggled there. But if we're just looking at his pass blocking, which is why you pay a blindside protector primarily, Bakhtiari is still an elite tackle in the NFL. In fact, Pro Football Focus has number 69 as the fourth highest graded pass blocking tackle in the league. So you can say it's a subpar year for Bakhtiari, but you know Aaron Rodgers is more than happy with him as his left tackle. And the battle between him and a 49ers very good pass rusher just is going to play a huge role in this matchup uh, on Sunday with the 49ers. Yeah, and it is, it's funny that, you know, as the fourth highest rated pass blocking tackle in the league, that's a down year. That That's how you know somebody like David Bakhtiari is probably on the trajectory for a Hall of Fame type career, right? Yeah, it's insane. It, it's just incredible when you've set that standard that, that uh, people could consider this year disappointing in any way. Um, and it is interesting that... We both kind of pick matchups that are so interdependent of one another. The offensive line has to hold up to get Rodgers time to get the ball out, and receivers need to get open earlier than they typically do so the line doesn't have to hold up quite as long. And if those two things work really well together, the Packers offense is going to have a ton of success. But probably the thing that's really going to benefit the passing game is establishing the run early and often. And we know LaFleur has developed so much of his game planning from Kyle Shanahan. So it really may come down to who can do it better and getting Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in a groove against a pretty bad or mediocre run defense, depending on how you want to look at it, would it would allow so much of the offense to get clicking. And, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. The running game is going to play a big role for both teams in this game on Sunday for sure. And I've got to decide if I want to start both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in fantasy and see if they can both help me out this week. So we'll see if that's a good decision or not to roll with. But Andrew, let's talk about the Packers defense and some matchups that we should be watching when Mike Pettin's group is on the field. Yeah, and so um, I identified right away George Kittle as the matchup nightmare in this game, and so I'm just going to say George Kittle versus the scheme because I have <laughs> no idea how they're going to try to defend him. But we know San Francisco will run the ball all day if you let them, and Mike Pettin's scheme is traditionally based around lighter defensive personnel, and he's going to let you run the ball. Some people will label this as, you know, bend but don't break. I think that's personally kind of an old mentality. I don't... I. I mean, you can say that if you want, but the attitude is really that eventually running plays aren't going to work if you have to string enough of them together on a drive. That combined with the lack of patience for most play callers will result in them eventually shooting themselves in the foot. So you think about things like penalties, missed assignments, etc. But there have been a few times this season where Kyle Shanahan has just kept running the ball when it works over and over, and they've dominated the defense and the time of possession as a result of that. So Mike Pettin might have to commit to the run a little bit more than he would prefer. And this is a defense that was already struggling with linebackers getting sucked into play action. And now you have to face arguably the best tight end in the league. That, to me, is a scary proposition. But having two weeks to get Ibrahim Campbell prepped has me a little bit less scared than I normally would be. And of course, this is all based on Kittle actually playing on Sunday. He he did practice on Thursday, so it looks likely, but my guess is they're going to have to make a game day decision on his status. 
Yeah, I did say that he see that he was in a no contact jersey in practice, so we'll have to see. And I know those guys are going to help us out with a with an injury update on the podcast tomorrow. But I agree with you that slowing the San Fran running game is going to be huge in this game. And while that has not been the strength of this team, I what we saw in the game with Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers was a little bit encouraging that they were at least able to slow that. So. I would imagine that the Carolina game and the way that the Panthers like to run the ball might have been a good preparation game for this game. So we'll see how that plays out on Sunday. But for me, I'm going to be watching Jair Alexander versus the wide receivers. And it's kind of hard to know who those San Francisco wide receivers are going to be by the time we get to Sunday. I know, like I said, Jason and Mark are going to give us an injury update on tomorrow's pod. And so maybe we'll know a little bit more about what to expect. Uh, but right now, the 49ers wide receiver group is really, really beat up. Emmanuel Sanders didn't practice on Thursday. Debo Samuel hadn't practiced all week, and then he did practice Thursday, but was limited and wore another one of those no-contact jerseys. So uh, who knows who's actually going to be available on Sunday and how healthy they'll be, even if they're out there. Uh, but it just feels like, to me, that Jair Alexander is due for a big game. And the Packers' corners' ability to limit wide receivers would really help the Packers uh, maybe give a little bit more attention to slowing down George Kittle if he's able to play this weekend. And with all the talk about Jair having this disappointing season, I'm thinking that this is a really good week for him to bounce back and have an impact game and just really, really show the kind of player that he can be for this team. Yeah, and you talk about the questionable health of the San Francisco wide receivers. That that combines with some ball security issues that you've already seen from Jimmy Garoppolo. If he doesn't have the weapons to get open and the Packers can slow down the running attack, the, the Smiths and the Packers defensive backs might be in for a really, really fun evening in California on Sunday. Yeah, and we are not going to be picky about how a win happens, but it would be really fun to get some of those splash defensive plays mixed in, whether that's interceptions from Jair or like a strip sack from one of the Smith brothers. That'd be that'd be a good time just to see that happening, especially on the road, and kind of put an exclamation mark on a victory that would just kind of really propel the Packers to the top of the standings in the NFL. But uh, we've talked about these key matchups that we'll be watching this week, uh, but this next segment here is about X-Factors. These are players that we might naturally over look a little bit but that we expect will have a big impact on this game this weekend uh, so Andrew who is your x-factor player this week I would really lean towards Ibrahim Campbell but I picked him two weeks ago and I already mentioned him today so I'm gonna go with well actually I'm gonna pick another player I already mentioned today so <laughs> oops <laughs> screwed that one up but I'm gonna go with Alan Lazard uh, and cue cue everybody you know, listening in their car or at work. It's Alan Lazard time, baby. He's (laughs) such a great story. He goes from a late season addition last year off the Jaguars practice squad to getting cut from the roster in August to basically the number two wide receiver today. Um, This is going to be an interesting challenge because the 49ers possess the best size at cornerback of any team in the league. But when Rodgers is facing pressure, I think he can be confident in getting the ball out to Lazard that he will have the ability to make those contested catches. And a big game from Lazard would likely mean a Packers victory. And I want to give you a little bit of a shout out here because you were in on Alan Lazard probably earlier than most anybody out there. You you were really excited when they picked him up from the Jaguars practice squad last year. Um, I remember as a draft prospect out of Iowa State, but I, I wasn't quite as uh, high on him as you were. 
I really did like Lazard a lot coming out. I thought that they could pick him in the fourth round, which obviously I was really high on him compared to how any team saw him. But I have to confess, I saw him as maybe a developmental tight end that maybe could come in and put a little bit more weight on his frame because he was such a big guy. Um, and, you know, we've seen the Packers kind of struggle to find that next tight end. But uh, it is really fun to see him having the success. I think even in the best case scenario, I don't think anybody would have expected to see what we've seen from Lazard. Uh, and it was really fun to be there for his coming out party in uh, in Green Bay earlier this year when they played Detroit. Yeah, and you saw DK Metcalf have his way with San Francisco a little bit. That was one of his best performances of the season so far. And certainly Lazard doesn't possess this, the same straight line speed that a guy like DK Metcalf does. But, you know, big dude, strong, physical, um, can really kind of take advantage of um, you know, going against it, it seems bizarre because that's almost the strength of the San Francisco cornerbacks. But when you get a wide receiver who can do it a little bit better than you can, then that might not be something that they're they're used to dealing with. So, you know, we saw Metcalf shine and, and I think Lazard has a chance to have a big game, too. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a really, really good point. That that's not like the same player, obviously. Um, but but yeah, a big, big body that could be an impact on the outside for sure. Uh, but I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Um, with my X factor and I'm going (laughs) to shocked. Um, I am going to pick the Packers entire tight end group. (laughs) Um, This is the first time this season that the Packers have had a fully healthy tight end room. And on last week's show, I said that I thought Jay Sternberger was the player to watch in these last six weeks of the season as far as progression goes. And I think he's going to take a huge step forward and make a late impact in this season for this team. And so I'm doubling down here. And I think that coming off the bye, the Packers will have had a little extra time to work Jace into the game plan. And I think they'll want to run some things that aren't on tape. And so I think Sternberger is going to have a handful of opportunities in this one. And I'm just going to say it. I think Jay Sternberger scores a touchdown on Sunday and gets that first one. So there's your hot take on the podcast. <laughs> Andrew's uh, Andrew's making some crazy faces he hasn't made since we talked about Oreos on the, on this on this podcast. Uh, but in addition to Sternberger, I really think this entire Packers tight end group is in for a really big role on Sunday. Rob Domofsky reported today that Robert Tanyan could be good to go on Sunday. And so if the Packers get Big Bob back and they get Sternberger more involved on top of the defense already having to account for Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, I think there's a real chance that Coach LaFleur sees this as a big opportunity for that illusion of complexity and spreading the ball around to guys in all kinds of different ways. And I'm looking for a big game from this tight end group on Sunday night. Yeah, I actually was thinking about uh, picking Robert Tanyan as my X factor because you know, he's sort of like George Kittle's protege, and this is his chance to really show that, you know, oh, yeah. uh, now now Big Bob Tanyan has become the master. Like the <laughs> Obi-Wan Darth Vader face-off, right? Um, yeah. That that got too nerdy for me. Um, <laughs> really, really fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Sturber, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting because I, I think there's going to be some opportunities to stretch the middle of that 49ers defense. Um, we we concentrated a lot about the work that they're going to do on the outside, but use, utilizing the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game um, has always been a, a big, big component to um, the success that they've had for the first 10 weeks. And certainly against the San Francisco defense where you're going to want to get the ball out kind of quickly, um, that's going to continue to be the point. Um 
just a couple other there's there's not a ton floating around the news but maybe to finish out the show um that there were the aaron Rodgers comments about having to win in san francisco at some point so why not just do it now rather than you know sort of alluding to maybe having to go on the road in the playoffs against the 49ers any thoughts there yeah, I think it's just a way of saying, like, obviously, like, the Packers don't want to um, pretend that any game is too big, but I think also acknowledging that, like, you are going to face this team probably in the in the playoffs, the way that they're playing, the way that their record is indicating that they'll be seated and these kinds of things. So I think Rodgers is just acknowledging, while kind of keeping it one game at a time, that we might as well beat them now and avoid having to go there in the playoffs. So, I mean, I think it's a good way to think about it, and, yeah, might as well take care of the business now. Yeah, and it's it's almost scary to think about this. I mean, the the NFC playoff picture is just chock full of really really good teams, and a loss on Sunday could really push the Packers down that seeding chart. Um, the same thing for San Francisco because they have Seattle uh, right on their heels as well. So massive, massive impact when it comes to getting a bye, which is probably the most important thing to succeeding in this year's playoffs. Um, and then also, you know, just just making sure that, uh, you know, you're going to have the momentum going into the end of the season. Yeah, and we saw just a couple weeks ago how the big trip out to the West Coast played a big role in that Chargers game. And I think that hopefully, you know, they've tweaked some things about their travel plans for this weekend. But I think, you know, whether you get things figured out this time or I think it's just good, you know, to realize how big of a not only during the game impact that that has if you have to go out to San Francisco, but also just like the whole travel and the way that you're prepared, your body and your mind and your sleep the night before and those kinds of things. It's a big, big factor to get that by, like you said. And uh, I think Rodgers knows that as many years as he's played in the league and how not often that he's had that ability to start as a one or a two seed. So I think he wants that really bad this year. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see if sort of that rest versus rust uh, negotiation, you know, the, the 49ers, I believe this is their third game in 13 days. And so they certainly have a pile of injuries that I'm sure that they would have preferred to have a, a couple of extra days to prepare for this game. Whereas the Packers come in really, really healthy, um, but they haven't played in two weeks. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how they start off. Um, they've, they've been relatively a, a strong starting team. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention, we didn't see any contract extensions during the bye week, which I know we, we've at least mentioned in passing. Uh, surprised by that at all or just kind of standard operating procedures? Yeah, I don't know that I'm really, really surprised. I guess I did think that like maybe something would get done. I guess Kenny Clark is the one that I thought maybe that they know that they're going to want to get that done, so maybe they'd be more motivated to have those conversations earlier. I still guess that they're probably going to wait on the Martinez one just to see what the market is and what he's going to ask for and what they think is worth paying. So that one wouldn't surprise me as much. But is there anything else that you were thinking might get done this week? No, I mean, I think, you know, something reworking Balaga's deal probably is an off-season kind of thing. Um, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, I thought maybe there would be a chance that they would uh, get something done with Blake Martinez during the season. But honestly, the way he's played, he's been so up and down that I don't think they're going to make a decision until they see how the rest of the season plays out. And then, of course, um, you know, Kenny Clark's the big one. 
And he might be saying, hey, I'm going to see what I can get out on the open market. And, you know, the Packers always have the franchise tag in their back pocket if they absolutely have to. So um, maybe not as much of a rush on that one as we would normally think. Yeah, absolutely. It will definitely be interesting. And I think in the Packers' best interest to probably try to get at least one of those deals done before we get to the offseason. But we will have to see uh, what those guys want to do. Hopefully the Packers can uh, get them back and uh, get them signed to long-term deals because they are such a big part of this defense going forward. Yeah, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. I'm interested to see which listener is going to be the first one to tattle to Thursday's crew on us. Uh, <laughs> remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Mark, and they're going to give us an update on the injury report for Sunday's game. You can always catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we'll be back next week previewing the Packers matchup against the New York Giants. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.